diving the day before a hurricane on a small South Pacific island. Out of nowhere a black and white sea snake, venomous, wrapped itself around my arm. Apparently this happens from time to time before major storms they can sense it and look for things that are heading towards the shore so that they don't have to put in so much effort to get out of the sea. As soon as I was in the shallows it uncurled and headed up the beach where it hid under a breadfruit tree. I thought I was going to get bitten to death by a snake at sea. Turns out I was just a taxi for a very calm but rather rushed reptile. I was diving in a local pond with a group of much more advanced divers, cave divers, than I, just an advanced certification at the time. I am leading the dive, as to get used to pressures and responsibilities of heading the procession, they are mentoring me. It is a Texas puddle, visibility 10 feet max, not too deep, maybe 25 feet. The known horrible visibility makes it impossible to navigate by compass, we follow a line, string, put by other divers. These lines go from one sunken item to another. So, I know I am about to hit a small sunken boat, don't remember which one, there are a few similar in a row in a same state of decay. So, I am first in the group, I get to the boat and see someone's black army boot sticking out from the inner quarters. Curious thing is, it looks somewhat new, not like items you find on the bottom. Hard to see, too much muck in the water. So, I touch the boot, thinking it is by itself but it won't lift, like it is attached to something heavy. I put my hand further in and feel the leg continuing out, pants, the calf, and I see the second leg now. I turn around and show a sign for the emergency ascent to the group behind me. Everyone has a sour face, no one wants to surface but it is a rule that if one says up, others in a group must abort, no questions. They wanted me to explain with signs why, but what is a diver's sign for a cadaver? I feel like I rush toward the surface, even though trying to stay calm and take time. So, we are on the lake's surface, I have this adrenaline rush, can't breath enough. So, I tell them there is a body down there. I see rolling eyes from everyone, once they see I am serious. A fun bunch, right? So, I describe in detail what I saw. We go down, I don't lead anymore, we make a group search pattern for the line. But once we locate it, we don't know if we should go forward or backwards, as there are a number of boats on the line and who knows in which the body is in and how far we drifted while talking it out on the surface. Well, we find all boats before finding the original one, of cause. So, our customary leader goes into the cabin of the boat and we wait. I'd say he was rather courageous at this point, went right in. Then he emerges from the- Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A cloud of muck and tells us all to surface. So, gluing information together from what we learned later on. Turns out the police or some other agency had a body recovery training in the same lake the same day. When they went for lunch, they stuffed their fully dressed anatomically correct rubber doll in one of the sunken boats for a few hours for safekeeping. Well, I died a little that day. I saved someone from drowning while scuba diving. Person had an epileptic seizure at 85 feet of water in a pitch black cavern that I was diving also. I was hovering above just watching the flashlights move about when I noticed one flashlight not moving. I swam down and was met with the other diver with no regulator in their mouth, eyes open and just on their knees. The diver's buddy was next to them and in complete shock to what was going on and was not assisting whatsoever. 15 years of diving and instructor training came over me like it was second nature. I thought her regulator just came out so I popped mine out and offered it to her, that when I noticed she had done mentally checked out. I popped my number 2 regulator in my mouth and attempted to put my number 1 regulator in her mouth but her teeth were completely clenched. I then pressed the purged button to get air into her mouth and noticed her cheeks moving so I know air was getting in there. That was good enough for me. I then grabbed her under her arm and get the regulator flowing in her mouth and swan to the opening of the cavern and then up over 60 feet to get her to the surface. One on the surface did everything I was trained to do, inflate BC, dumped her weights, got her on her back and started towing to land. As I'm towing her and she is regurgitating all the water she swallowed and inhaled, it seemed like gallons of water. Got her to land where other divers assisted me in getting all her gear off. She was breathing fine and alive but in shock for a while and slowly came around like nothing happened. We were very lucky that we were only 10 minutes into the dive or for sure we would have both been bent and spending time in a hyperbaric chamber. The crazy thing is she didn't tell anyone she had epilepsy and when we later reviewed her consent form she checked off no to epilepsy. I put myself at risk shooting up to the surface like that. But if I came across that situation again, I would not hesitate to save someone's life. Not my story, but my parents. They like to scuba dive when traveling and have gone several times over the years. Once they visited Mexico and went diving there before I was born. I'm not sure where they were exactly but my mom was slightly lower down than my dad and looking at the ocean floor. He was looking up and around. My mom had on a gold necklace that was floating in the water around her, it was a sunny day and a fairly shallow dive so it was sparkling. From my mom's puff, she was going along having a grand old time looking at the sea critters below, when suddenly my dad grabbed her and started frantically shaking her arm to get her attention. She looked up and a barracuda was directly in front of her, closer than was comfortable and staring intently, 
scary teeth on full display. It was focused on the shiny necklace and was just hovering there, transfixed. She slowly moved up her hand to cover the necklace and they slowly and calmly moved away from it and it took off without bothering them anymore, but still pretty unsettling and taught my mom to be a little more aware of her surroundings when diving. I dive a lot, several times a week. My area has a lot of theoretically dangerous things, sharks and barracudas, Marais and stingrays, blue-ringed octopuses, cone snails, box jellies, siphonophores of all kinds, sea snakes, stonefishes and scorpion fishes, venomous catfish, crown of thorn starfish and various sea urchins that can hurt you in several different ways, titan triggerfish, and so on and so on. But only one thing has ever got me. Twice. Are you ready? Clownfish. Like Nemo. They are territorial and brave and will get in your face if you're near their anemones. I usually respect their space, but I was distracted watching something else a couple of times, and turns out they will actually bite if you don't leave their space fast enough. For real though, I don't have particular horror stories, but the scariest moments are probably when I get caught in strong currents and have to crawl on the bottom to fight it, going hand over hand like I'm climbing a horizontal wall. Despite what a lot of people tend to think, especially looking at the daunting list of dangerous animals in my area, sea critters aren't your problem. You leave them alone and it's fine. Sea conditions like waves or currents, and above all human error, are the real killers. Edit, I just remembered an incident that did scare me, it was a human error slash equipment failure issue. When you're diving, you want to ascend to the surface slowly. This is because under pressure your blood and tissues can hold more gases, in particular inert nitrogen from your compressed air, dissolved in it than when you're at the surface, and as you ascend to the surface these dissolved gases have to return to being gases. If you're slow, you just breath it out as you come up, but if you're too fast they turn into bubbles of gas in your arteries and veins before they can be vented out. This causes embolisms as well as decompression sickness, aka the bends. I was diving with a friend at about 25 meters, tilde 82 feet, when her old beat up BCD, the vest that you can inflate with air to control your buoyancy, started to inflate on its own. This has happened to me before as well, but I just disconnected the air hose from the BC immediately and carried on, and went on to do about 10 dives with a busted BC that I only inflated manually. She didn't think to do that, or didn't have time to do that, this happened very quickly. I saw that she was having buoyancy control issues, she was upside down kicking to try to stay down, but in the few seconds it took for me to realize how bad the problem was, she was already at the surface. Basically I quickly glanced around to see if there was a rock I could use to weigh her down and when I turned back she was gone. I followed her up, but not too quickly and even so my dive computer was beeping warnings at me. When we met up I wondered why she didn't use her dump valve, there is a valve at the bottom of the BC exactly for releasing air when you are feet up, especially since she was experienced and should know to do that. Then I saw that the string you pull to open the valve was missing, so it was literally impossible to dump the air when oriented that way. 
So check your gear before you use it. I was pretty worried that she would come down with the bends, but she was fine. People are often worried that I dive alone a lot, but honestly all of my scariest and most anxious moments were problems occurring with other people. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I wear contacts so getting water in my mask is extra bad as I can't open my eyes underwater. Shortly after being told about a shark colliding with my friend from behind and removing his mask I am pretty scared about this, not sharks in general, and I see a shark heading for me. They are curious, they often shoulder bump you as they turn at the last second. But she wasn't changing course. I stayed calm and still as long as I could and at the last second before she hit my mask I ducked. Except instead of ducking under I just headbutted her right in the nose. Everyone saw and thinks it was the funniest thing ever. I may be the only person alive who headbutted an 11 foot shark in the nose but it was because I was scared she would take my goggles off. Free dove to about 160 feet in Dean's Blue Hole in the Bahamas. It's where a lot of the free diving world records are set, super neat place, 
Google a picture. Anyway, I'd never really been past 100 feet freediving, but this was the perfect place to do it. No current, there's ropes to keep you straight and allow a slight pull back up. Scary part is that you become pretty strongly negatively buoyant after like 60 feet, so you're basically hauling ass down while doing nothing and using very little air. So I'm dazed out a bit feeling good and counting the lines that mark depth and all of a sudden feel pressure like my trachea is going to collapse and wake up and realize I've counted to the line that's around 160 feet or so. Very scary moment because I wasn't sure if my body could take the depth or if I had gone too far and wouldn't have enough air to get back up, which is a much slower and more air intensive process. I got the bends once. I was careful. Followed my charts and my computer. Had appropriate depths and surface time but I didn't drink enough water so I was all out of whack. Felt fine until I got home, mild headache. Then I woke up and it was just pain in my left arm. Elbows. Fingers. Couldn't even bend them without bad pain. My headache was intense and I was so dizzy. Called my older more experienced dive buddy and I got rushed to the hospital. Docs got me hooked up in fluids checked my dive logs while the decompression chamber was set up and then got me in there with a nurse eight hours in a tube about the length of a car but as wide as maybe a double bed i was on oxygen and hooked up to and four and it was so loud with all the air rushing in as soon as i got to depth the pain vanished it was crazy i'm fine now obviously but i wasn't allowed to dive for a month which sucked but hey the dives were pretty great. Dude, Dan Insurance is a lifesaver. I'm not very experienced diving seeing as I only got certified last October, but my instructor told me the story of how he'd been dry suit diving in Norway and underestimated how long it would take to get back to the surface. He was probably 35 from the surface when he had to cut his belt and let the monkey brain take over to get to the surface. He called Dan as soon as he got out of the dry suit and went to get his treatment the next day. According to him, his legs seized up at the ankles and knees, as well as his hands, so it was a weird time getting to the pressure tank for treatment. One time I was on a beach in Thailand. It was dark and nobody was around but me. I decided I would have a little beach fire and chill. Went looking for some sticks. Reached for a stick and heard a hiss. My hand was super close to grabbing a sea crate. I think about this often, I would have died for sure. Far from anywhere and there's no anti-venom anyway. I dive in lakes in my area in the Netherlands, and was guiding a kid who just started their diving training, about 14 years old, I was 20 at the time. Horrible visibility, could barely look further than 1.5 meters. This kid was on a line, and swimming behind me, when I saw something emerge from the darkness, super pale, it reflected the light of my flashlight. I get closer, it's a head. I'm thinking, ah a suicide. First thing I do is make sure the kid didn't see anything, 
and tell slash sign to them to look the other way, while trying not to freak out myself. I get closer, and it turns out to be a freaking mannequin, fully clothed, weighed down by stones. So I cut it loose, take it and bring it up to the surface, of course freaking out some other divers already up there. Never found out where it came from, but it's now standing in our bar, wearing some old diving gear. We were on a ship in the Mediterranean and were called up by a small shabby looking dive vessel who asked if we had a doctor on board. We did, so they boated a diver over to us. Doctor quickly confirmed he had the bends and needed a chamber, she did what she could for the guy and told the captain of the other vessel that they needed to go to port ASAP and get him proper treatment. He refused, they had three more days of diving to do before they could go back. We tried convincing him but he said that it wasn't an option. We couldn't force him so we notified an Italian Navy vessel in the area about it. It was in international waters so don't know if they managed to do anything about it, hope the guy is alright. Not my story, but my dad's. He was just telling me about this last night. In order to get his diving certification, he needed to complete three dives in open water. During the second test, remember this is only the second time he's ever been scuba diving in open water, there had been a massive storm so the water off of New Jersey was pitch black, even during the day. They couldn't see anything at all, not even the hand of the instructor guiding him to the bottom. He didn't feel the bottom until he hit it with his face. To complete the test, they had to reach the ocean floor, take off their masks, and clear it by blowing air into it, then put it back on and go back to the surface. He did the mask test fine, not that the instructor could tell, and they all went up to the surface. He said at one point he couldn't tell which direction was up, but when they all finally hit the surface, there was a massive ship coming through the channel directly at them. The instructor screamed swim. And they all had to bust ass to try and avoid the ship. Dad ended up getting whacked by the side of the ship but otherwise fine. I just can't imagine coming up from a pitch black hell's cape to come face to face with a massive ship about to kill you. I freshwater pond fish. I have a fishing float tube, it's a pair on inflatable pontoons inside a U-shaped polyurethane sleeve and there's a stadium seat made of styrofoam in the middle to sit on. Your butt is in the water about an inch and your legs dangle into the water and you wear flippers to paddle your way backwards like a nautilus. It's a peaceful and cooling way to fish, your legs are in the cool water so it's like a primitive body cooler during hot weather and quiet because you only paddle with your feet so you don't scare the fish. Boaters and jet skiers seem to get great joy from running circles around me, literal circles so that the wake from their circling makes my float very unstable. They always stay just out of shouting range, I always want to know what's so fun about going around and around someone trying to fish from a stupid contraption? trying to sink me? Then what? Isn't that illegal? Not like I can catch them and make them pay for my sink float, they could get back to shore and away before I could swim back even with flippers. Such assholes, 
Something about having the money to throw away on those things makes people just think everyone who doesn't have that kind of money is just their plaything. I think you have to be stupid not to be aware that things can go wrong. Scuba is a dangerous sport. You being forgotten is very unlikely. They typically do a roll call when you go out with the boats, so they're gonna know if you're not on the boat. Plus, and I am generalizing here, you typically don't go that far away from the boat during night dives, compared to day dives, so the captain and the mates typically have a general idea of where people are, again, this is a massive generalization, but this is why you should go out with reputable companies. You'd typically also be with a dive master, so as long as you stick with them and can see their beam you should be fine. I've done one nighttime shore dive but I've talked to people about it so, to my knowledge, unless you get caught in a rip or something, you can generally figure your way back to shore. I got separated from my group briefly but we had glow sticks on our tanks so I was able to find my way back to them. Plus, we were only in about 8 to 12 feet deep so if I needed to I could pop up and look around for them without having to worry about getting bent. In terms of predators, yeah light can attract them. But I feel like unless you're in known sharky waters you don't really come across them, at least in my experience. In the course of around 35 dives I only saw one reef shark, and as soon as it saw us it bolted, three bonnet heads, and a bunch of nurses, and if you know that it's sharky waters, I would recommend not diving there if you're nervous. I also feel like people who do night dives are typically not as spastic as a whole when compared to day divers, so there are less dying fish vibrations getting sent out. For your flashlight dying, my recommendation is to always carry two lights. A primary light, and then some kind of backup light that, even if you can't use it to navigate, if you got above water the captain would be able to see the light, also carry a BCD so you can reflect the light off of that if needed. Also, the boats typically have some kind of light, and some have them tied to their ladder slash line, so you'll at least have a stable point to look at. My final bit of advice is go with someone you trust. I was in a situation where my buddy and I were allowed to go on our own without a guide, and I had complete faith in her. I was still a really new diver at this point, technically I'm still fairly new, but I knew that in any worst case scenario she would have my back, and I would have hers. Those are my two cents. Went night diving in Cozumel, Mexico last year. That trip was the second time I ever dove, the first one being earlier that day. I was with two semi-experienced divers and an instructor. I forgot to mention that the instructor took us out on his personal boat with personal dive equipment after hours to make a quick buck, I shouldn't have been allowed at the depth we went in time of day with my lack of experience. Can attest that night dives are crazy, especially not knowing what you will point your flashlight at. Great experience, just not sure if I'd do it at night again, but if I did, I would not take my girlfriend. Spent 98% of the dive with my flashlight focused on her and her surroundings, who was also an inexperienced diver. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. My biology teacher told us that she once was swimming in the south of the Philippines because she was trying to find an elusive seahorse and she went quite deep at night when they are more active and she got attacked by a shark and her team got out fast. The next day they found a turtle that was bitten in half shell included that was pretty big and it's it's supposedly the last time she went diving in that area. I was diving under an oil rig between Long Beach and Catalina Island. I was collecting sea scallops at around 60 feet or so and knowing that there were seals all around I always kept an eye out for sharks, you just can't help but think about them. So I was just about to finish my dive but I was looking for one more scallop for dinner and I saw a blur swoosh right by me just in front of my face. My initial immediate reaction was shark, but it was just a damn seal playing with me. I literally was screaming underwater for a couple of seconds. Funny thing is I have over 25 logged open water dives, some at night, mostly around Catalina and I never saw a shark. This happened to me once. I forgot to take my silver bracelet off. It had a crystal charm on it. This was in St. Thomas I believe. Anyway. I saw a barracuda and was pretty excited. Until it zeroed in on my hand and shot towards me. I quickly covered my bracelet with my other hand when it was close. It kind of watched me for a few minutes but eventually just swam away. I awkwardly swam back to the boat, still covering my bracelet. And that is why I no longer wear jewelry or even have shiny painted nails when I swim in the ocean. I was a little freaked out by mostly I just laughed at my stupidity. My only experience with a barracuda was when myself and my brother went wakeboarding in the creek in Dubai, UAE, we were born and raised there, we were having a great time jumping over the wake and the boat driver was helping by playing with the throttle to create some challenges for us. Anyway while I was in the boat and my brother was in the water jumping around on his wakeboard, a barracuda suddenly leaps out of the water in front of him, must have been chasing a school of fish, my brother's wakeboard hits this thing as he was mid-jump to and decapitates its head clean off. He fell over from the impact and hadn't registered what made him fall as he was focused on the water a few feet in front of him and not directly looking at his bindings and board but his scream as this cuda head slowly floated towards him still is one of the funniest memories I have to this day 15 years later. It wasn't exactly a deep dive, but it was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. I was on a beach dive with my parents, having swum from the beach out to a small reef and then descending. It was only a few minutes after getting down to the reef that something started going on with my parents. 
My mother was agitated and clutching her chest. We surfaced and she started spitting up dark liquid and struggling to breathe. Fortunately, it was a busy beach and after we inflated an emergency buoy, lifeguards rushed out and carried her back to the shore where an ambulance waited. It turned out she'd had swimmer's edema induced by the greater pressure. Things turned out fine, but having a medical emergency underwater in the ocean is especially level of scary. I was snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef a good 14 or 15 years ago, before the majority of it was dead, and has drifted quite far away from the boat. When it was time to get back aboard I was the last to reach the boat again. I'm about 20 feet or so from the ladders, flailing about a bit, thanks to cramp in one of my feet, and there is a giant barracuda floating under the boat not too far away from me, looking right at me. Creepy looking thing. It didn't come near me and I got aboard with no problems. A little later, while we were eating, this was one of those group trips on a biggish boat, the crew started throwing bits of chicken overboard, not sure that was in any way the right thing to do but I was like 14 at the time, and it was lunging out of the water with all its creepy teeth out. Didn't like the feeling of having been in the water on my own with that thing. Not me but my brother, and not deep sea, sorry. He was 18, part of the dive club at his school. They went on a diving trip. The crew that handled the dive counted heads wrong and halfway through the dive the boat went back to shore without them. So there they were two kilometers from shore with their only option to swim back. There were about five of them, two girls three guys. All of them between 15 to 18 years slash o. About halfway through one of the girls couldn't swim anymore and started crying, my brother along with another guy swam with her, dragging her along, making sure she didn't drown. Everyone made it out okay. Worst part, school tried to hide it, and had the audacity to suspend my brother from school for catching him with a beer while on the trip. Needless to say they were in deep shit when it came out. Not sure exactly what happened though. My only incident diving was when my buddy and I were in super low vis, less than 5 feet, I was looking away from him as we were headed toward our destination. I ended up getting too close and his fin caught my reg hose and ripped it out of my mouth. Reg went into free flow and pushed itself behind my head, so even though I got my secondary in without issue, I was still losing air quickly. And I had to catch up to my buddy to let him know what happened all in all. Everything turned out alright, but it was certainly a sobering experience. I took an advanced scuba class in college and one of our dives was a night dive. It was in one of the Great Lakes, so not a tropical place with lots of fish. I could not judge how deep I was without looking at my dive computer and vertigo was a serious problem when I wasn't at the surface or on the bottom. It was the only time I saw fish close up while diving. Several swam within inches of my mask without any fear, probably because they didn't recognize us as a threat. It was by far the creepiest dive I'd ever done. Like a horror movie. As a grown-ass adult, 
Three quarters of the way to my bachelor's degree, I knew there weren't any monsters lurking, but I was so terrified when I thought of what might appear through the darkness at the edge of our flashlight beams. I would never do another night dive, but I never felt so alive as when I got out of the water afterward. It was honestly one of the few times in my life when I've experienced outright euphoria without being on a substance of some kind. One time I went snorkeling in decent visibility and saw a seal swim about 10 feet in front of me right where the visibility started dropping through a bunch of seaweed, so it was just a dark silhouette moving extremely fast through the water. I thought that was scary but I'd probably shit my pants on a night dive, F that. I wear heavy prescription lenses and can't wear contact lenses. Halfway through a week-long liveaboard dive trip, someone dropped a tank on my prescription mask and shattered it. I usually had a second set with me, but could not find them and only brought one, because hey, nothing had ever happened before. I am functionally blind without corrective lenses, I can see colors and that's about it, starting about 5 inches from my face. I was devastated, but decided to go diving anyway, with my husband as my seeing eye diver. I could see my gauges, so I felt reasonably safe. It was among the most amazing three days of diving I've ever had. I saw the colors, shapes, and movement. Without being focused on the details, I actually took many of the best underwater photos I'd ever taken. I wasn't worried about focusing on a particular coral or fish, I was looking at the larger color patterns. So it didn't turn out to be the disaster I'd thought it was. Only thing that really scares me is lung expansion injuries. So the one time I was freaked out was swimming near a wreck at about 100 feet I lost perspective, and buoyancy control, and suddenly realized I had surfaced about 40 feet in 30s or less. Visions of the bends and a pop lung instantly came to mind and dropped a ton of air from my BC to get back to depth in a hurry. Got a massive squeeze from it in my ears but it gave me a chance to calm the F down and get a better sense of where I was and re-establish buoyancy control. Bottom line, the scariest things that can happen while driving is the shit you can do to yourself. I was on a night dive looking for a resident six-gill shark when a large gray animal darted past me, just barely illuminated by my light. It was way faster than I was told this shark would be and I couldn't quite make out the size. Then it happened again on the other side. Both times it was in my peripheral vision, barely illuminated by my forward aim spotlight, and very fast. For some reason when I got to the bottom, I decided just to sit on my knees and aim the light in one direction until something happened. As it turned out, the beast was a harbor seal using the light to find fish to eat. Here she hung out with us for a while which was a pretty cool experience. We never found the shark but I did think I was being hunted for a bit. The weather had been pretty hot and the water temp was also around 26 C. We'd done a dive and a long swim in the morning. 
We then headed out for our second dive and the boat dropped us in the wrong spot. So we had to swim against a massive current to get to our intended site. Halfway into the swim I just felt like I needed a nap. And so, I closed my eyes and did exactly that. It felt so peaceful. I immediately dropped down to an even deeper depth and was lucky that one of the guys on the dive turned around at that moment and saw what was happening. He swam as fast as he could towards me and caught me. He asked if I was okay, I said I was and passed out again, this time spitting my reg out and started blowing bubbles. He then went behind me, shoved my reg back in, wrapped his arms around me and took me straight to the surface. He saved my life. Not exactly deep but I was doing my certification dive for my potty basic open water diver certification. I was at about 35 feet when my regulator started free flowing. We'd been taught to put our tongues against the roof of our mouth to still breathe in that scenario and it worked just fine in the 70 degree pool. Unfortunately I was in a 40 degree lake, the temperature of which adds a bit of stress and anxiety no matter the depth. I was fine until the tongue technique didn't work and I grabbed my backup regulator. When I tried to clear it of water and breathe from the backup yet still managed to suck water, I panicked. Thankfully it being a certification dive and all, there was a dive master with my little group. I signaled an emergency ascent and he and I shot to the surface. I was in a complete panic like I've never known before or since. I was convinced I was dead. Once we got to the surface he was smart enough to reach between my flailing arms and inflate my BCD. After a few seconds he was able to calm me down, but I was unable to complete the dive. Every time my face went under the surface, I started having a panic attack. Eventually I pushed through. Before it was said and done, I got my advanced certification, which involved a dive to 110 feet and a number of other challenges. Unfortunately after that accident, diving gave me pretty bad anxiety and got to a point where pushing through was no longer worth it. It's been a long time since then and I'm not sure how I'd react now. Maybe after all this time I'd enjoy it again. I was diving in the early 90s off the coast of Florida. I had been using a spearfish ineffectually for a few minutes when I heard a strange grinding noise to my right. I turned my head to see an enormous set of barracuda jaws grinding just inches from my face. I still recall the fish's eye rotating around to check me out as if considering it should take a bite or not. I was babysitting this diver for my instructor, I'm a dive master, who was notoriously nervous, clumsy and an all-round bad diver. It was a simple and pleasant enough dive up until the end. We were doing our 5 meter safety stop, for those who don't know it's a stop you do at the end of every dive so that your tissues can rebalance and it's very important in preventing the bends, which is gas bubbles in the bloodstream, and this guy just freaks out. Starts nervously fiddling with his BCD for no reason, then inflated and shoots to the surface. I immediately signed to him to stop, hold on to his BCD and use the dump valve to try to keep him at 5 meters, for his own safety. He panics even more, 
freaks out and starts inflating even more. At this point we are both darting up and down like a ping pong ball as he keeps trying to inflate and I keep trying to dump the air. My ears have never popped so much and my computer was beeping all kinds of danger alert sounds. I don't even remember how it ended now, this was 10 years ago, but luckily not with either one of us coming down with the bends. Having said all of this. I sure do miss diving. I used to dive but don't anymore. It was my descents and ascents that did me in. I'm a serious overthinker and haven't been the strongest swimmer. So I would unknowingly tense up at the beginning and end of every dive. For non-divers, it also meant I was more buoyant because tensing up means you're holding more air in your body. And you float a lot easier. Terrifying dives, I got left on the surface once. I was having trouble getting below the surface for some reason. Then I saw the rest of the group at the bottom starting the dive. If you dive, check out Cozumel, great diving. So I got more anxious. The dive master misunderstood my ex and gave him more weight that he didn't need when my ex asked to get more for me. He dropped down with the extra weight. The dive boat thought everyone was gone but luckily saw slash heard me and let me back on. Back on the boat, I continued my freak out because I worried about what everyone would think when they couldn't find me. One of the most experienced divers volunteered to come up and check on me. He ended up getting me back in the water and held my hand through the rest of the dive. It calmed my spirits a bit. I did a safety stop upside down smile at the end of the dive, you make safety stops to help prevent the bends or any other issues. If you're a hardcore, more technical diver, you may have more than one at various depths, but for most recreational scuba divers, it's usually 5 minutes at 15 feet. Because of the previously mentioned anxiety, I would worry about getting the bends from a bad safety stop, which would make me start to go to the surface faster. So, I often had a dive master hanging on to me to make sure I relaxed and bobbed at 25 feet. One dive, I just couldn't get it to work out. They did the best they could. Which ended up being me facing down with my head at 15 feet and my body swaying above me. Once I'd get to depth, I enjoyed the fish and turtles and coral and all of that. But the anxiety I went through every time is why I no longer dive. I did something similar snorkeling in Hawaii. I was following a sea turtle just checking it out, and it eventually ducked into an underwater nook I wasn't following it through. I was getting short on air, so I turned around to go back up, to find I'm like 3 to 4 stories deep. I'm a fine swimmer, though I'd never gone down below 15 feet before this experience. I freaked the hell out and start hauling us back to the surface. Things started to dim out to tunnel vision about 20 feet from the surface, but I made it freaked me out and made me hyper aware of checking yet depth frequently from there on out. Was doing a boat dive and came up to find 20 foot swells. We just had to chill for a while down under until the boat would calm down and we could actually grab the ladder without getting smashed. I remember seeing the ladder going up and down 6 to 8 feet at a time. 
I finally grabbed the rope and climbed up as fast as I could. I hung onto the ladder and the boat crew grabbed my BCD and hauled me out of the water and onto the swim step. Half the divers puked on the way back into port. That was the roughest conditions that I have ever been diving in. I did a shipwreck night dive on New Year's Eve one year, and it was spooky as hell. 80 feet down, really small plane. Visibility was obviously not great, I've only done this one night dive, so these slow moving fish would come looming out of the dark. Scarier to me was getting back on the boat, because it got really stormy. You'd be looking up at the ladder, and it had come crashing down right next to you. The waves were crazy. My brother got hit by the ladder, but not too badly, and we all managed to get back okay.